Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Haikara. And um, this is episode number 45. And I got a, a real special good one for you guys. Um, my friend uh, Eric um, goes by um, uh, Dia Corvum Noct. I don't remember. Um, he is uh, joining me this episode, and um, we're basically gonna we talk about um, um, Eric is uh, involved with both the Order of Phosphorus as well as particularly the Dragon Rouge, and um, he's uh, kind of like the organizer of the working group, U.S. working group for the uh, Dragon Rouge, and um, and uh, he's the organizer behind a event this. Um, this Halloween, basically, October 29th to 31st, um, uh, which she just calls the Dragon Rouge Conference 2023, first American um, Dragon Rouge Conference. Um, and uh, But it's not just limited to just uh, Dragon Rouge people. Anybody can come. And um, basically, uh, Thomas Carlson, founder of Dragon Rouge, author of such great books as Kabbalah Cliffoff and Goetic Magic, as well as uh, more recently Black Mass, um, He's going to be uh, coming here to Denver and uh, is going to be uh, leading these events. The The event um, is going to be, you know, a, few, a couple of days of workings and, um, and different stuff at uh, the Althea Event Center. I believe it's called the... Let me double check. Um, um, oh, yeah. Althea Center for Engaged Spirituality. So anyways, yeah, um, Eric and I get into the uh talking about the event and then we spin off onto a conversation in regards to say draconian spirituality and uh satanism and all of these types of things it's a very deep conversation that we get into which is great it seems to be the month june is the month of deep conversations <laughs> so you know just prepare yourself you know we'll see I, hopefully i can close out the month of a equally uh deep type of conversation we'll see and um yeah, so that's what's going on this week. Be sure to go and uh, check out um, last week's episode of Everything Went Black. Uh, it was uh, Mike Hill and I did um next episode of Darkness Weaves, and we covered um, the story The Fourth Seal by Carl Edward Wagner. Um, so yeah, go give that a listen. Um, the next episode... Uh, of uh, Darkness Weaves will be up um, um, not too long. Uh, well, I haven't quite figured out when we're putting that into the mix, but it should be, you know, way at the end of the month or beginning of next month. So we're moving on through the work of Carl Edward Wagner. And, uh, you know, the publisher of the In a Lonely Place book even... Um, um, even shared the shared the episode on there on Instagram, which is pretty cool. So that's awesome. But yeah, speaking of, let's go ahead and do the shout outs to all the fellow horsemen. Um, we have um, every other Monday you have Brandon Legion with Horwolf six six six. Tuesdays you have Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Smith, which is the best metal podcast out there, in my opinion. Wednesdays you have. Uh, the aforementioned Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. Um, 
Thursdays, you have Necromaniacs, which is Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Fridays, you have Break the Apocalypse with John Draper. And then um, on uh, um, kind of the unofficial horseman is Cheyenne from Trivax with Iblis Manifestations. So yeah, give everybody a check out, you know, um, go follow everybody on all your social medias and your, you know, Spotify or whatever you're listening. Make sure to give everyone good ratings. And um, you can follow me at, um, you can follow my personal account at Carl Icara on Instagram. Um, and then you can follow me at uh, Denver Underground Radio, um, which is kind of the launch pad for both my the podcast and also the radio station that I host, my friend Ken. Um, speaking of which, we have shows every Tuesday and Thursday night from uh, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tuesday's Darklands, which is my show. It's all black metal, death metal, dark ambient, that kind of shit. Thursdays is my show of Ken. We do, uh, it's called The Upstairs Room, and we do goth, new wave, post-punk, dark wave, uh, synth wave, whatever, all that kind of stuff. So go check it all out. You can see all our all our playlists on uh, on uh, social media, and um, you can pretty much find them on, find the playlists themselves on um on uh, Spotify as well, and um, be sure to go and uh, if you uh, like what you're here, go ahead and uh, sign up for my Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Soul Knox Podcast. And um, for two dollars a month, you're gonna be getting uh, at least two to four bonus episodes a month about a variety of different things. Uh, right now, I have a just started a series about Dracula and the Dracula movies that I like. Um, the ne- we just we just had uh, on the main feed. I had did put the first two episodes of that on, so you can check that out. Um, but the next episode will be on Patreon only, and um, it's going to be uh, with Matt um, Prizo from the band the Sick and the Slave to the Underground podcast, and uh, we're going to be talking about the movie Nosferatu from 1922. So yeah, if you want to hear that, go sign up to Patreon. And uh, yeah, we're going to get shit going over there. Um, okay, I think that I did all the plugs there. Alright, well let's get into the uh, main event of the episode. And to kick it off, we're going to be playing a song from Hexentons called Devil's Mass. Hope you guys enjoy, and uh, definitely never forget, Hail Satan! I dedicate my 
First of all, I just want to thank you for coming on the show, Eric. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm um, very honored to be here. Yeah, um, yeah, we've been talking about it, and and uh, you know, sure, we'll have you back on even more and and everything in the future. But of course, right today we're uh, kind of going in like uh, to talk about the um, um, I forget the exact name for the conference. Um, it's just going to be the Dragon Rouge um, Left Hand Path Conference um, 2023 here in Denver. There you go. Uh, yep. Other, so, go ahead. I was going to say, so yeah, so bring you on today to take, talk about that and then move on to whatever else we talk about. So yep. <laughs> that's what's, what's going on today. <laughs> well, what's going on today is I went to work just like you, came home and uh, did a little ritual. A little meditation and uh, in preparation for tonight. And I'm excited to talk about our event. I'm excited about, uh, you know, getting people together for this type of uh, philosophy and lifestyle. Um, it's Sahween here in uh, Denver this year. And so let's just proceed and ask me whatever you want to ask. Um, you've been a good friend. It's been fun uh, getting out to do things together, you know, metal shows and uh, you know, going around Denver and, uh, we need to hang out more. Yeah, definitely. 
yeah, I um, definitely like I have like I need to get out and hang out with people a bit more often. I'm like a lot of times just like get caught in that cycle of uh, you know, working, being tired, you know, doing what I need to do if I see the podcast, or whatever, and then work being tired not doing anything so it's like yeah, i have a few friends like you and a few of my friends i'm like yeah i need to like go do things more with with my friends so that's kind of on the to do to do to do like you know for for the year <laughs> well all of us are really pressed for time all of us have a lot to do you know uh making the money to survive um is a challenge for anyone uh recently i was able to change my career into something more like a desk job that makes a lot more money I had uh, worked construction for a long time, done carpentry, concrete, all of that, and just couldn't really do it the same with the injuries anymore. So, you know, I've been able to uh, develop a, a good living and and something much better. I'm actually getting out and hiking a lot more now. About a year ago, it was hard to walk with my hip and knee injuries, but now I'm going out doing like five and a half, six mile hikes. So awesome. I've been pretty stoked that it's not covered in ice up in the hills. Yeah, it's we're getting that time of the year where you're not going to worry about like slipping and injuring yourself while you're, right. you're hiking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess um, let's go ahead and just start off and let people, you know, talk about the conference to get out of the way and then go off on whatever else we're going to talk about. Sure. But, um, uh, so yeah, so it's a Dragon Rouge, um, conference and for it's on, um, the weekend around Halloween, you start our Halloween. Yes. So yep, three the, the day before, the day of Halloween, the day after. So it's a, um, go ahead. So it's a great great way to spend your spend the Halloween. You know, like at a at a left hand path uh, conference. <laughs> yes, the theme is a bit the witches' sabbat. Um, the ideal of uh, making the pact with the devil, and uh, taking that those ritual times during the conference to travel off astrally and and you know interact with the dark divine with the demonic forces that are there right and i think it's a great time it's a perfect time to have that happen um you know like to me like for for me the two primary like spiritual uh times for me is around walpurgis knocked and around Halloween, and that kind of splits my year into half. You know what I mean? Like there are like the other solstices and equinoxes and everything that goes around all that, but I can I guess I kind of, I mean, fall into that that spectrum of those are my two big ones. Maybe it's a little bit of the holdover of the influence of like uh, Anton Lavey and getting into Satanism when I was sixteen. But you know, <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's become a symbol uh, for self liberation and uh spiritual rebellion and that's really what the adversarial or draconian path is about is um using those you know forbidden uh acts those forbidden um spiritualities for self-liberation and uh the empowerment of the individual to become more you know than we think we are yeah exactly that's a big part of it and you know i think the uh, event like this is a good way good way to bring on people together and you know develop all these things like at the same time you know and learn 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 things from because i mean we're bringing um 
Uh, you're bringing uh, Thomas Carlson, the founder of Dragon Rouge, out for the conference, which is amazing to have him out, coming out to Denver, Colorado. I never would have expected that, to be honest. <laughs> He's pretty excited, you know. Uh, he wants to experience Colorado, have a good time here. And where our venue is at, is it an ancient building? They're not ancient, really, that old, but it's an old building down near Cheeseman Park called the Althea Center. And it's a it's well, you know, probably close to 100 years old. Not far from there is a park where we know there's a lot of bodies buried under side, underneath there. Yeah. Um, we'll hold the uh, event in the basement there. Um, the event will go much like um, it was when I went to Stockholm this year for Magic Week. You know, we'll meet in the morning. We'll do some meditation ritual. We'll have lectures, questions, sharing time. Um, and this could very much evolve um, to have. I've invited other uh, leaders of the left-hand path um, to come and speak and, you know, participate. I hope they do come. Um, Hopefully. And, uh, you know, this will be a time. The, but the cool thing about this is that those uh, that are in our tradition don't get a, a real big chance to hobnob and talk to other people that are like you. And one of the things I loved about say, going to the grand opening of the greater church of Lucifer years ago with the order of phosphorus or going to magic week is you get to rub elbows with people like you and talk about those ritual workings, talk about those philosophies and talk about the lifestyle because for, for most of us that are into this type of path, there's, you know, those who know, and there's those who don't. Um, and so, also, when people of an order like this come together, the current is opened and knowledge, especially that forbidden knowledge that we're not supposed to be knowing, it becomes rampant and shared. And, um, you know, the point of the left-hand path is um, taking those things which are, let's say, anathema, which are forbidden, and turning them into gold. Um, and so that's what will occur during that time. I'm pretty excited. Um, we've got people from all over the uh, country coming. Um, people from all the world are welcome to come. But this is an order that is worldwide. Um, there are uh, working groups in Mexico, Brazil, uh, many other South American countries, Germany. I do believe Thomas is going to Germany the month before with the uh, working group there. Um, I, I've met this uh, year in Stockholm friends from um, Finland um, and two guys from Colombia came that had a lot to share about, uh, you know, the tantric side of this type philosophy. So it's going to be really great. Um, and, you know, and this is an opportunity, you know, not so much for it to be some kind of a activist outwardly, you know, make a big noise thing for, for, for people to come and share and, and work with others and learn things from Thomas and, um, and from your peers that you can use in your personal path. Definitely. The, um, I think, uh, I think one of the big things too, is like what you said that, uh, for most of us, um, like, I mean, there's not very, you know, like you don't encounter too many people on, on this kind of, this kind of side of the left-hand path, you know, it's kind of darker spirituality really like that you can really connect with a lot of times, like as far as locally, like all pretty much, um, you know, with the exception of yourself and all the other people that I know who are into this kind of stuff, um, 
well, I have, you know, my other friend Nas Alquimath from Akwisa stuff, he's down in, um, you know, Southern Colorado or whatever. Like, he's not even around here. So it's like we don't get together too often. So it's like, uh, really, like, most people I know are, are all across, you know, the country, all across the world. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, you don't really get very many opportunities to really be in one place with people from everywhere kind of coming together. So I think that's what, that's one thing that's pretty exciting about it, you know? Well, yes, definitely. You, you know, um, in the years that I've been involved in this type of tradition, at first you're, you're, you're terrified to tell anybody, you know, that this is what you're interested in. And then there's times when you try to be public about it and just be honest and let folks know and people get freaked out. They think that, you know, somehow we're going to be, you know, eating baby goats or, you know, doing some harm to somebody. Um, but it is a path that's much different from that. And it is the path of taking the roots of the tree of knowledge uh, that are hidden in the darkness and finding light therein, you know, through the Klepothic uh, path. So, um, and as I said, you know, I'm also a member of uh, another order named Order of Phosphorus, um, which has members, just beautiful, wonderful people like my friend Sarah in Italy and uh, my friend Pete in um in spain um dark esotericism is something that's truly growing and it's been my desire for a long long time um to see groups come together that are going to be about the path and they're going to be about uh seeing people liberate themselves and find power within it and you know it's not that uh the order of phosphorus or dragon rouge is the only uh, reliable order. There's other good orders uh, in this country, uh, such as, uh, you know, the Temple of Set and, um, you know, Sect of the Horn God. All, all of those philosophies um, are useful and, and people are using that to, you know, seek after uh, this dark crucible uh, that we find ourselves interested in. And by the way, that is the name of the Facebook page where you can find a way to get tickets to the show. It's called um, the Dark Crucible Denver Left Hand Path. Yep. And then, um, yeah, one thing I really, I found, I really like that that Thomas has been kind of, um, kind of growing over the past, I guess, a couple of years is the whole Nightside United idea, like where, you know, mm -hmm. which I really think is genius, like, you know, him and Michael Ford, you know, um, and, and everybody kind of coming together as this kind of like, we're all the different orders, different types of things, but we're all we're all part of the same essential dark, you know, um, spirituality, a left hand path spirituality. And I think that is, is important for everybody who's involved in this to work together, particularly in the time now where you have um, a rise in like fundamentalist Christianity and things like this that, you know, have tried to attack people involved in these types of things before, you know, like, and everything else that's going on in the world, I think it's really important to grow that um, working together as individuals, you know, it's not a... It, Excellent. It's, yes, I, I agree with you. Um, I've been involved in, in this for quite a long time. I've seen um, all the different groups kind of change and grow and whatnot. Um, but the you know, the United Night Side is really not about making, you know, and in some ways it is about recognizing, as you say, um, the commonalities 
um, that we all hold, but it's also appreciating the differences between things like LaVey and Satanism, which uh, can be quite atheistic and, um, you know, the, the different, um, you know, eccentricities of the different groups that make them uh, unique and, and not really wasting time, uh, you know, uh, debating and arguing with one another and auditing with another, one another as to whether or not we're the perfect left-hand path, but uh, supporting, uh, you know, the individual's desire to seek those secrets, uh, however they see fit. Um, and so, you know, that's what I hope happens, you know, when we have our, uh, our, our event here. Um, and uh, I think anybody that comes and partakes is going to find that uh, Thomas Carlson and hopefully some of the other leaders that come are very special people that have put a lot of time and effort um, into refining and, and building um, this into something that people can use, you know, and there are a lot of those of our tradition out there that are independent and that don't want to be connected to an order. And that doesn't mean that you're not left-hand path, or that doesn't mean that you can't achieve anything. But I found, um, because I, you know, I did this path for a couple years before, by myself before I started getting involved in orders that, you start getting curious and you want to know, you know, what do other people think about what I have to say? Um, you know, are the experiences I'm having, are they crazy? Do they happen to everybody? Am I fooling myself? You know, and, and those doubts and those, um, you know, it's not so much that desire to be accepted by everybody else, but it's that steel sharpening steel at the forge of Cain that helps to refine us and refine our ability to communicate. Um, in some ways, I learn more by trying to communicate um, ideals of the left-hand path with other people more than just sitting here right here in my altar room. I have my little reading book, you know, my, uh, my place where I read books and I have my lamps and everything and my big tapestry of Kali. You know, you could sit there by yourself forever and, uh, and just kind of... Uh, you know, marinate in your own thoughts, or you can actually grow by interacting with other people. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good point. Uh, I think there, you can get so far on your own, but there is that point. Um, I, th I think it's, it kind of comes down to the, the earlier, I think the earlier stages of the path of a path, like are more internal, where you're like, you are more focused in on your inwards on yourself. That's like the Negretto period and that kind of stuff where you're really like, uh, I found it's actually useful to isolate yourself from other people to a certain extent. But then you, have to, you have to go to the, that's kind of like the seed, you know, it's like the ingrown, you know, it's that mm -hmm. seed, but that seed has to break open and you have to grow and, and sprout. And then, and you have to then turn to the external world, in my opinion. And that's, and that's where like Jung has talked about that um, psychology or things are only tested when you're interacting with other people, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so that's the only absolutely. way that you can actually, you can sit there and fool yourself at you with this growth, but that's only proven when you actually interact with people. And that's how you, or like say like removing these projections that you project on people. The only way to test that you are removing those projections is by interacting with people. That's like the kind of, some of the Jungian ideas, but mm -hmm. I think that, um, that is true that that interacting with other people is how you sharpen that sword, you know, because um, 
and you ha- and that's how you grow your confidence that's how you grow yourself as as well in many ways like so do you think that is important at a certain point in everybody's pathway to then turn and face forward and interact with the world because also like uh you know if you're developing yourself this way yeah you're only going to get so far on your own you know eventually the way to, to progress in the world and always be it spiritually or um you know materially and everything is through interacting with other people in the real world you know what i mean like you can't... yeah well usually when people decide they're going to follow the left-hand path folks are usually pretty disgruntled there's anger there you know there, there's a desire for power the desire to you know not be in that position we used to be or a desire to you know empower some inner idea that we have um, and it's not so much the interaction is the only tool, but I found it was one of the tools that the guiding um, demonic kings and queens was constantly throwing me into um, something that's uncomfortable for me, something that I really didn't want to do. Uh, when you volunteer for an order and you're asked to interact with other people, you find out really quick that not everybody thinks just like you, that um, people might disagree with you that uh, not everybody's super friendly and or not everybody might like your your type of personality but we find you know within the left hand path this idea of the mixing of opposites okay and when you know i have a little statue of anubis on my altar here that i use for um my nightside workings and uh I, i've always been heavily um influenced by kenneth grant um, who mentions in the night side of Eden uh, the colors in Anubis of black and gold, and that being the mixture, uh, uh, the the culminating mixture in the klepoth of opposites, such as Choranzan and Set, or Samael and Lilith, and uh, we find these two polar opposites also in the Eastern tradition, and also in uh, you know in Western dark Kabbalah that it is the um, meeting of matter and antimatter that annihilates those illusions that we think are true. And we find that, you know, when we interact with others, we tend to expose those things in ourselves um, that we hide, you know, those weaknesses, you know, so there's a benefit there. But also one of the things I love the most about Dragon Rouge is the, the fraternal brother and sisterhood of people that have the guts to stick with it that have the guts to, you know, not be afraid to be who they are and continue in their path. And I will tell you, um, within this path, I've met all types, from nurses to lawyers to police officers to military to, you know, the average blue-collar everyday worker, just like me, mothers. Um, you find that many uh, hear that, you know, that kind of distant, uh, harrowing call of the path of Cain, and nothing can keep them from it, you know? Um, so it's not so much about following a, a, a specific formula um, because those tools do uh, engender power, but it's also about throwing ourselves without fear into that chaos and seeing what may come of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think um, um overcoming that kind of those, those fears are a big part of of the whole whole like whole deal with left hand path because you got to think like in my experience it's always been like on the external level everything's kind of 
has this darker type of you know menacing sometimes or fear you know this kind of thing that this kind of outward thing that would scare like a lot of people right but people who feel the call to those things and and everything you know they're over they're you know um able to overcome that for that fear or whatever you know what i mean and and you are to not be afraid of some very dreadful like gods and and everything and these types of things and it's like um um, and you learn to not be afraid of descending into the kind of maelstrom of chaos and, and the, the void and, and kind of integrating with these things, you know? Well, that's another thing I think that um, many people really misunderstand about, you know, um, the different effigies of Satanism and dark Luciferianism. And that's that it's the idea of... Um, Paradise Lost in Milton and the idea that Lucifer is more of a Promethean figure um, and uh, in the idea of giving the fire of consciousness to humans. Um, and it's the sacralization of those darker parts of our psyche. Um, you know, it's the sacralization of, of the psychosexual uh, aspect of ourselves. It's, it's turning the sexual nature of our minds and the energies within us into a whole thing that awakens these forbidden um, entities within us that show us the path of liberation. And often it's easier to explain it almost in tantric terms as the agori um, consumes all that terrifies him. I was reading, you know, the first book of the agora, uh, by Robert uh, this week, where um, his, the first Agori that um, began to initiate him into um, these, uh, you know, Vamakara type workings, has him sit on a corpse and fill the mouth with wax and put a wick in there and light it. And this guy is just terrified of this, you know. Yeah. Um, and through doing this working, it's the idea that our very mother, Kali, um, and in the Western terms, this might be a different type of name, um, is matter and is reality, and it's not all light. Um, it's the recognition that the lion that catches the gazelle, you know, out on that African tundra might cover its mouth up with its, you know, the, the gazelle's nose and mouth up with its mouth and snuff the life out of it. Um, this, this dark seeming murderous type thing. Um, and in its own way shows uh, the path of light and life, you know, within the deepest darkness of our psyche within ourselves, um, we find the, the shells of the Klipoth and within there, we find the magical secrets that awaken the light within us that empower the individual to possibly one day, um, create a mind and a, you know, a future in this life or another life um, that is semi-divine. Right. It's, it's finding the, the dark light or the, uh, the black sun. It's the, the, the light behind the light, the sun, like, and, you know, in the, that sense, it's like um, going deeper within to find this other type of light, which is um, numinous, you know, it's, it's from the other, 
uh, it's this kind of numinous light that we bring forward, you know, and uh, the black light. Yeah, the black light. Yeah, so it, within Dragon Rouge, the black sun um, isn't connected to any political or, um, you know, um, modern ideals of any, you know, any type of political uh, musings. It's connected to um, antimatter and matter. It, it's connected to um, the idea of a black hole, the idea of the most terrifying thing in the universe actually creating life. And we all know from reading science that black holes are the life creator of this universe. You know, they're, they're kind of a coffee grinder that sucks in matter, destroys everything and creates starlight out of the belt, out of the back. So right. um, it's a, I, go it's ahead. Like, it's the black sun in the al, um, alchemical sense, like in the, uh, yes. the tra traditional sense of the uh, Western tradition and that um you find even reflected in in all traditions everywhere the sufis talk about the black sun and the dark light and all stuff as well you know it's it's uh it's a very it's a universal idea of this kind of this kind of force that well it's also the path of seeking the black diamond and that is the consciousness that is refined that's the ego that's refined through the fall of lucifer for the individual falling down to the gate of Lilith, um, into that cave, and emerging through initiation um, into an individual that has awakened um, that self-sustaining power uh, within them. And, you know, uh, within Dragon Rouge, that is really not seen as a that much of just of a poetic metaphor. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I joined Dragon Rouge is I wanted to, you know, interact with those uh, who are not afraid to say, yes, I interact with Shaitan or Satan. And, um, you know, I, I believe uh, that these forces are growing and alive within me and they, they have power for me to achieve the things that I want to achieve. And this has nothing really to do whatsoever, you know, with the you know, terrible things that people do to one another. Um, that's, that's human gray, you know, yeah. sort of, you know, consequences. These are, um, you know, spirits and, and, and ancient um, expressions that are older than mankind and that are not human. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Tom, Thomas uh, talks about that in uh, Kabbalah, Kupfaf and Goetic Magic. He talks about um, the gray evil of mankind being all the, uh, you know, concentration camps and all this fucked up shit people do and it's like uh the darkness that we're that we're talking about of like of satan and these forces is the this kind of pure obsidian darkness of a kind of a cosmic scale you know it's um very different and um and i think even like say like the black sun and all these forces i see it as being a very real evocative very real process that goes on within us you know i think that we all carry um or at least anybody who's in i guess uh, part of this kind of lineage you know who is um a child of cain so to say uh carries this kind of seed within us which can grow into this type of force that is like you said it's self-sustaining it's kind of like this kind of idea of this kind of eternity loop, you know, that you see in like the rune, like Dagas, you know, and it's like awakening that new, create this kind of 
once you have the black sun rotate, you know, within yourself, you become this black hole force. It's this eternal kind of mechanism that then grinds everything into the black diamond. That's, you know, kind of. The, Absolutely. That That's a very, that's a, yeah, that's a very good sort of um, illustration. Once an individual passes through the semi-oclifoth, um, there is the passing over the veil of Pekareth. And there is that moment at which from the madness of Samael that an individual is in a little bit of danger because everything that you thought and believed to be true in the past is questioned and turned upside down. And uh, it, it's an individual that can pass from only living on the basis of, of, of physical and identity here in Malkuth to an individual that's capable of living within paradox where more than one thing can be true at the same time and more than one thing can be false at the same time. Uh, if you think of a beam of light or a laser hitting a diamond and refracting, that is the ideal of, uh, you know, of the subjective side of an individual finding union with the objective side. And that means that an individual is free to live in the moment without definition. You know, I don't have to live according to the um, cost and machinations of everybody I know at work and my family and everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm able to be a unique individual right in the moment that's not dominated by, you know, all of those things that this world that we live in puts upon us. Yeah, I think that's very important um, to uh, part of everything is to... Um you're basically getting to a point in which you're kind of isolate in a way where you're not being like, you're not, cause we're bombarded with all these things and all these different um, pressures that are external to us. Right. And, and also, you know, um, and all these things can, you know, really drain away energy and mess with your own energy and knock you off or whatever. Once you can get to that point in which you are this kind of you're connected with that center or central like fire, you know what I mean? And you're um, kind of shielded, shielding yourself from that where you can exist in the moment because you've also let go of all these things. Because like you said, a lot of things can be true at the same time. A lot of things can be false at the same time. And you really kind of learn, learn to disconnect from. I guess identifying with all these things because a lot of this is just people it's the human mundane people getting all worked up and wound up about mundane human things you know what i mean that uh mm -hmm. that often are just um wastes of energy and and there to kind of distract people and keep them keep them powerless in a way in my opinion so it's like the part of the way to gain this kind of state is to break that um reality and recreate your reality and and then become like a strong individual you know well and there and there is a lot of spiritual power and fire i wouldn't say you know that it's not without challenge and pain um we have to think of you know the myths um all the countless you know myths of the fallen or the rebellious spiritual gods and goddesses goddesses uh, there was always sacrifice involved and uh, within the left-hand path death is the doorway to liberation 
Um, when you think about death, you think about things like um, mantra and ritual, where you, you are repeating things and altering the state of the mind to get into another part of consciousness. It's similar to an orgasm. Uh, when two people are having sex and they have an orgasm, there's a moment of death wherein you are completely naked before the universe right in that moment. Um, and these are the techniques within the tantric left-hand path, you know, a lot of people and the Western left-hand path that are used. Um, symbologies that break the mind's connection to this plane of existence and the doorway and there is death. And, you know, it's no, um, I don't think it's any um, coincidence that, you know, uh, the tree of the Klipoth is often called the tree of death. Um, but when we also think of those who um, went before us to begin to experiment with the Klipoth before Dragon Rouge or say Order of Phosphorus or all our modern, um, you know, um, uh, our, our modern, um, you know, orders that we see here. Um, you had Kenneth Grant and Austin Spare and um, things like Peter Carroll um, experimenting with things like the death posture and um, getting the mind into a place of, I wouldn't say worship kind of in a monotheistic way, but kind of a communion with death in that way, um, you know, the Gnostics um, before, you know, um, they were all killed and their books were burnt and thrown out of the church, used a lot of these um, techniques um, as far as recognizing the feminine as, um, you know, a very powerful divine um, expression within the universe, as far as recognizing sex as something um, that is a spiritual act to something or, you know, I mean, reasonably using chemicals to get the mind into another place. Um, one of the other things that's mentioned in, in some of the books that I study when I was new is various ways of attaining trance. Um, and when I first got into this path, it started on the Western slope of Colorado when I helped to build a Buddhist temple, a Tibetan temple. And I was really taken back um, as we were building the temple and putting, you know, those, these giant corbels up on the ceiling, these decorative corbels, they were chanting and putting scrolls inside them, you know, in case that temple ever gets bombed, like they've been in China, you know. Uh -huh. um, and the idea of being able to um, break that, that chattering monkey within yourself, you know, um, that controls you. And I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist. I, I eventually decided that that kind of philosophy wasn't for me. But I learned a lot through their chod practices. The Tibetans use a practice called chod, wherein you um, envision yourself fed to Kali and fed to demonic beings, um, you know, to appreciate life through those kind of practices and that focus upon death and darkness, I really began to have these dreams and experiences to look for something that was closer. You know me, I'm like a quarter Irish and mostly German. So I began look looking for something that was closer to what maybe my ancestors would have uh, practiced. And 10, 11, 12 years later, I started reading books about the runes and books about the Klipoth. And I really do feel that this is a lost and uh, hidden um, practice um, that I think would be very, very liberating for many people. I wouldn't say that in the left-hand path, um, I'm necessarily about being some sort of a preacher. 
and uh, saying that this is for everybody because the left-hand path necessarily isn't for everybody. But it is for those that might think that Eve did a good thing when she ate of the forbidden fruit. Right. <laughs> you know, for those who felt that breaking the laws of the universe um, or feel that way, um, you know, of course, I'm never advocating people being seriously self-destructive and I've seen people do that sort of thing. Um, but using those forbidden and archaic things such as um, sacralizing the darkness and sacralizing the prince of darkness or the princess of darkness, um, those sorts of things um, are a pathway and have always been um, of power and a self-liberation for folks. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, I think a lot of people probably have this similar type of experience of, uh, fortunately at this point, I think it's kind of changing now, but particularly say 20 years ago, um, the, a lot of, a lot of people's kind of um, introduction a lot of times to alternate types of spirituality outside of say the, you know, Christianity and everything was probably, is probably through Buddhism and things like that, you know, like, because that's more prevalent, I guess you could say. Like for me, like when I was a um, teenager, um, you know, that was one of the things because my dad was into like Zen Buddhism and, and that kind of stuff as well, as well as Sufism. So I was kind of introduced to the, those types of things at first, but I always felt kind of, um, uh, it, was, there was, it was one of those things where the, actually the practices that I learned very very young age of meditation and stuff really put me in a good place for later on when I got into um, other kinds of spirituality, but it was like, uh, you know, the meditation was good. And I mean, I used to practice Aikido as well at martial art and stuff and, and combining those together. I really was really useful for me in the sense that I really like connected to this uh, key energy, like this energy flowing through everything. Right. And, um, and getting into that no mind and really getting, you know, being able to control the mind a lot more, you know, um, was something that, that I was kind of, like uh learned very well when i was young um but i always felt a kind of um sense that um the ultimate goal of buddhism just didn't really connect with me you know like i wasn't really connected to this idea of achieving nirvana and all mm. those kinds of stuff like it just didn't attract me and so i started to have that hunger to um to find what i what i really did connect with and um you know, and and of course, I've always been uh, since a very small child, really into the darker side of things. You know, uh, probably figured that out through getting into horror movies and different things when I was young, right? And um, always been in mythology, psychology, all this kinds of stuff. And um, and I was always very interested in Norse mythology and everything. And um, that was kind of, in a lot of ways, there's two things that really was my gateway into the left hand path, and all this was. Um, buying Futhark by Stephen by you know Ed, Edward mm. Thorson, Stephen Flowers. Oh, yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, yep. and then buying uh, the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. Those are the two things, and those those two things kind of help break open everything because you know it's like first time you read like Satanic Bible and you're like you know 15 or 16, you're kind of like you know you feel like you're doing something like you're not supposed to do or something. You know what I mean? But then you read it and you like connect with a lot of things he has to say, and then. At the same time, I was also um, getting into the runes because my parents had a set of runes. I still have that same set. Um, 
and uh, so I was really getting into runes. I, my dad had I had got I gotten tarot and stuff like when I was younger, but um, like because my mom was like into tarot and stuff before she became a Catholic, so I was aware of the tarot and different things like that. But um, like, and I feel the same way to this day. Like, I'm not really like a big. Oh, I, I appreciate the tarot, and I find a lot of the cards very beautiful, and I this. I understand the symbolism a lot more now being older and having a lot more basis in like alchemical and other forms of symbolism of the West. But, um, the runes connected with me in a deeper way. You know, I felt like this kind of, you know, blood connection where you, it just, it just speaks to you. And so getting into the runic magic, like Futhark and getting all of Edward Torsen, you know, Stephen Flowers, other books. Um, and then, like the the thing though is at that time um these other types of the magic like i'm getting into magic outside of say nature magic or the runes and stuff was a little bit more difficult in the you know late 90s early 2000s you know what i mean like because i i always felt like wicca was a bunch of bullshit i never felt any i always just thought it was bullshit and uh, i still do but um the uh so it's hard to find other things. Uh, one of the things that that opened the door. I, did you ever read the book Con- Nocturnicon by Constantinos? Uh, not yet. No, I haven't. So it's a funny book because um, he also wrote a, another book called like uh, Nocturnal Witchcraft and stuff, which was obviously him trying to like make a darker form of Wicca. Essentially, it's kind of has some cool stuff in it as well. But Nocturnicon broke open the whole thing because it was all about pure magic. Um. The whole central idea of it was connecting with dark void type of energies like and he'd do this thing where it was just like pure like void magic like in taking this like night void magic into your body creating like a circle of just like pure imagination spreading this void magic around you listening to the whispers from the void and all this stuff so reading this book which is surprisingly re- released by Ledwin, and it's also talking about kenneth grant and all kinds of stuff in it you know interesting and, yeah and um that book really I have, to, I have to get that book yeah i mean i think it's it's a good book like even for somebody who's more ex- experienced with magic it has some good stuff in it but definitely reading it you know at 17 broke everything open for me and i kind of was like okay there's this other you know darker side of spirituality and engaging with this magic and, and everything and and i think that uh when I got into that kind of side of stuff. And then I also got Peter Carroll, you know, Lieber, Lieber Nolan, Psychonaut. And that really gives you, breaks down how magic works and how in such a concise way that, you know, that really helped a lot. Um, but it's funny because the real uh, first, like, dark, darker, like, satanic, um, Luciferian type of stuff that I really read was Michael Ford's stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I knew black funeral getting into black metal and, and I learned, uh, that Michael Ford, I was also an occult author, which I thought was cool. I was like, that made me like black funeral even more because it's like, he's real, he's for real, you know? And uh, I remember finding like uh Lucifer and witchcraft and everything. Yeah. And I was, so his work has always been real important for me in my path as well. You know? Oh yeah. I've, I learned, I've learned so much, uh, from the order of phosphorus and the, the people that I've known there. And uh, from Michael Ford, for me, um, it started for me when I was four years old. My parents were in a, they were serious evangelicals. And I remember the severe ass whipping I got for asking why Satan could not be forgiven in church. (laughs) 
And then, you know, that that turned later into me being 14, 15, 16 and having Anton LaVey and just really desiring it. Not so much because I knew it would make my parents angry or the Christians angry, just because I was just so repulsed, um, you know, by this, uh, you know, uh, abusive stepfather and uh, mother that, you know, May she rest in peace. I love my mother very much, but mother that believed in this stuff and they're pushing this on me and I just wanted something else. But right around the 2000s, I had something really terrible happening in my life. Something uh, very painful, something, one of those, you know, things that just kind of knocks you on your ass. Yeah. And I remember at that point thinking, all right, I'm not hiding it anymore. I just, I said to Satan, I said to the devil, I'm tired of losing. I want to win, you know? <laughs> and I just kind of said, you know, and then years later, you know, it took a long time for me to fully let go of that philosophy and just finally say, that's it. I don't believe in this anymore. You know, I it was so ingrained uh, within me because I'd been raised that way since I was a little child. Right. And at the time I lived in Pagosa Springs and I remember something really horrible went down again. And I was driving down the road and I remember kind of howling like an animal. And just feeling like, you know, that's it. I'm going this way. And not too long after that, let's see, I did study Wiccanism a bit and, um, you know, um, Gardner and whatnot. Um, I just felt like Buddhism and that wasn't for me. It was a bit too much like Christianity where you're trying to please other people and change who you are um, to please these gods that might punish you if you're not good enough, right. you know, um, and that, you know, that's a, people choose that. That's cool with them. And then uh, I started studying Aleister Crowley a bit and studied Thelema for a while. I wrote for a little bit for a Gnostic um, Thelemic church out of New York. Um, and then I got a hold of book of the witch moon. Okay. Yeah. And I'd already been reading, um, you know, some other satanic type books. Um, but here we, I had a writer that could speak in a, with Michael Ford in a very, um, pragmatic way in ways, um, that didn't seem to really, you know, assault my sensibilities and it awakened a desire in me and an understanding that there was another story, uh, another, another side, the ideal that, you know, Lilith, um, had a reason. Um, to do what she did and and that there's a reason there's a justifiable reason for people like me to be rebellious um and you know of course uh, living in states when i was younger where every guy had to have the biggest truck and the biggest guns and the biggest guns on his arms and you know this kind of a woman and drink the most and be the biggest badass you know just all of that crap that you had to do um especially having kids in the house i just i wanted to be liberated from all that i wanted to be my own person and then soon after that, I got a, I found the book um, um, Lords of the Left-Hand Path by Stephen Flowers. Yeah. And that really began to open things up, you know. Um, but re I really got involved in Dragon Rouge um, was, you know, eventually I decided um, the partner I had in the past, um, when I decided I wasn't going to obey this person anymore and constantly... Uh, live my life to please them. They began to get violent with me and began to, you know, do some pretty damaging things to me. And so I had to leave. Yeah. And so I spent a couple summers, you know, by myself, uh, you know, living alone, being out in the woods. And that's when I, you know, 
the dark mother really began communicating with me. And I started writing all these ideas down in my journal, like, you know, oh gosh, it's a Bayoun current and there, there's a hot and a cold and there's a male and a female and, and uh, this is how it works and it works this way and it works that way. And then I bought Thomas Carlson's book and Dragon Rouge, I already knew all that. I, right. <laughs> I thought, you know, I was like, you know, uh, inventing all this stuff all in myself. Um, but that type of communication um, and, um, and that classical way of de dealing with the witches sabbat and the ideal of a contract with the dark forces and the ideal of flying off in the astral travel in your dreams um, to become changed and to, you know, um, have that 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 celebration um in the witches sabbat um in that other realm um that became addictive to me you know and so i just do what i do um you know there's been so many left-hand path books written i write a little bit i get published a little bit here and there but my point is uh when i first got involved in the left-hand path um you get online and try to kind of hobnob and learn things from people and it was kind of a ridiculous shit show of rudeness and in this this crazy thing where you had to just sit online and argue with people all the time um which yeah. are people like that there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with a good argument good intellectual sharpening of iron you know um but um eventually i wanted to be a part of you know helping organizations grow so that when people do want to learn something when they do want to interact you know it's going to attract those kind of people that have something to bring right yeah I I kind of opted out of the whole um, getting on a forum and arguing with people. I was just like, I don't have time <laughs> for this shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I kind of was just like, that's why the, um, yeah, I find it kind of annoying. Like, I like a good conversation of people, but, uh, sure. you know, like sometimes, sometimes like uh, I get annoyed with, uh, this is one of the issues I have like Wiccans as well as the kind of know-it-allness where it's just mm -hmm. like, bossy know it allness where they're like think they know everything you know because they read a read a book you know so it's like i don't I, I feel like there's a good way to have a conversation with people where you're like both like interacting growing whatever even if well, you disagree yeah, it, you know yeah. and then, then i don't there's think like, it's necessary <laughs> go ahead i'm sorry i say then there's like the arguing of people just for the sake of arguing or you because you yeah. think you know everything you know so it's like <laughs> I think I you find those types in almost every tradition. I've mo I've known some really great Wiccans, you know. Um, I've known some really great Buddhists. I've known some really great Satanists. But in almost every tradition, there is those types of folks that are going to build an identity by knowing everything, and it's not really about creating anything cool to share. It's about establishing some kind of a moral authority over other people and being right. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, if someone has a is given me a good reason to hate their guts, I have no problem hating people. Right. If somebody <laughs> if I decide I want to love somebody and get along with them, you know, I like get along with folks. They don't have to be just like me. Then I then I have the freedom to do that. You know, the major thing I learned from the left hand path is um, I don't have to forgive people that aren't sorry. And I don't have to love people that have given you no reason to. You know, there's no, no yeah. overlying sense of guilt. You know, that's all really up to me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the other thing from what you just said as well that I thought was interesting is when you said that when you connected to these forces and then you start writing, you learned all this stuff from the force itself. And then you go and you buy another, a book and it like reinforces what you are, what you just received. That's something that's happened to me all the time 
where I'm like, say, connecting with some type of, you know, entity or force like um, Lilith or, you know, or whatever. And you learn all this stuff. And then next thing you know, this book comes along and it just like, you're like, oh, uh, yeah. like this other person's also received this. And I think that's like a good, an external verification that you're connecting with something real and you're gaining real knowledge because and that is something that happens you you transmit this knowledge is transmitted to you when you open with it and you connect it with it with it you know with these different forces you know well yeah and if you look at just the simple fable of cain cain refused to kill an animal out of some false notion of sin and refused to be rejected and got so angry about it he did some damage you know, and, and it's, you know, it's the idea that it's not the idea that all of us need to be killing people or, you know, but it's the idea that you're going to stand and fight um, when your individuality is threatened. Now, you know, if you've got those people that are so individual that they're no good to anybody and, you know, uh, there there's so much ego there that uh, it, it's it, it's kind of a falsehood of impressing their individuality upon you. You know, but uh, in my early magical path, I really grabbed on to the Aleister Crowley idea that an individual's will is divine. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, when I joined, I wanted to go be the absolute antithesis of anything that was any type of Christian. And being a person that was forced into Bible classes for so many years, I know all the things that are anathema you know, to, to the monotheists. So <laughs> right. to me, you know, anyone that is learning the path of magic is following the path of Azazel. Because as we can see in the book of Enoch, you know, um, the fallen uh, came down and first of all realized that they could teach humans magic through sexual magic, through teaching women witchcraft. Yeah, And so we yeah. see early on there, um, the true nature of the path, which is the ideal that the doorway to the dark side is through the dark feminine. Right. Yeah. And that magic, the the ability of an individual to create their connection and create their own power through their incantations and through whatever type of working that it is, um, you know, that is magic. And that is what was taught, you know, by the fallen. Uh, to humankind. So when I say that every single magical path is necessarily the left-hand path, no, <clears throat> but I would also say that they're a cousin of Azazel, whether they want to admit it or not. Well, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's another thing, which I think is funny when I see, see, like, I think that everyone, everyone should find the, the path that works for them, you know, and mm -hmm. if like, it works for somebody, that's fine. It doesn't work for me. I don't like it, but like, um, I also don't, I don't believe, I think a big part of being a Satanist or a Luciferian or, you know, on this kind of path is, is acknowledging other people's are on their own path. So like, right. if it works for them, it works for them. I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. You know what I mean? For what they, but I, and I would say that, um, all people who are on this type of magical, other type of spirituality in a lot of ways are all on the same side, particularly if you look at from the Christian side, from these cra evangelical, crazy Christians people uh, side of things, we're all worshiping Satan. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you, if you know, when you hear these kind of, I don't know, white lighter, white lighter religion, like new age, wicked people saying, no, no, we, we're just worshiping the goddess and stuff. Like we're not Satanists, but the Christian doesn't give a fuck. Like the Christian sees you as worshiping Satan because mm -hmm. you're not worshiping 
God and Christ and whatnot. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like on on one hand we are all on the same side, and that we mm-hmm. should stop fighting with each other over stupid shit. You know what I mean? That's something. Well, that yeah, I, think. I do. I do think <laughs> there are some people that inject that social engineering into the magical path, and and that that's disappointing. You know. Because the simple fact is nobody loves everybody all the time. I don't go out of my way to harm or hate people I don't know unless somebody gives me a reason. But for an individual to say that they just absolutely love everybody all the time and that you never have an issue with anyone, um, you know, this is just a lack of balance. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's not really bound in truth, you know. So I would say there are, in my opinion, um, many uh, you know groups positing themselves as a magical path, um, but in the end, you know, if I have to be holden to a dogma, where another individual human tells me what I have to believe all the time, um, then you know I've just enslaved myself again to the same thing that a monotheistic religion may enslave one within. You know, and of course, yeah. when you join, you know, a magical order, there are certain you know hallmarks and things agreed upon to believe but i would say within dragon rouge or order of phosphorus nobody in leadership or other friends has ever told me who i have to be who i don't have to be you know i can almost be so rebellious that i I like to irritate people by not uh, refusing to put out a false sense of, of of what darkness really is you know um, but, you know, believe you me, you know, if I feel um, that a person deserves my dislike, then they deserve it. And I, I feel no guilt about that whatsoever. I'm going to be myself and I'm going to um, conduct my life the way I wish. And if I'm not hurting anybody, um, you know, I could care less what anybody else thinks about it. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good, uh, very good point. Like, uh, I agree with that as well. It's like, um. I think with with certain orders like as you said like order of phosphorus like from what i understand i'm not not a member uh but just from what i know particularly from hearing from you hearing you talk about it or uh dragon rouge it's like individuals who feel called to what the organization represents so it's not really about like enforcing something from on high down to everybody it's more like people look at what the current of that organization is uh, transmitting and they connect with it you know that's what's important and um and yeah it's I, really I, just about those who want to um taste the forbidden fruit those who want to you know follow the path uh of the dark one you know right um, and i would say within dragon rouge the thing that i appreciate the most is the understanding belief that you know the dragon is much older than the ideal of satan um, and is representative of Satan, but representative of many, many ancient, archaic, um, pre-Christian things. And it's funny, I did want to mention one thing. You were talking about Wiccan a bit, but one of Michael Ford's greatest books that I loved reading when I was new in the Order of Phosphorus is a book called Necrominian. Right, yeah. And um, he has in there some uh, philosophies of a man named Charles Pace, um, who was a part of the Wiccan um, movement, I guess, at the beginning, but they felt he was an Egyptologist, but they felt him to be too satanic. Yeah. And I guess they were, you know, afraid, um, at, you know, in the 50s or 40s or whenever that was, you know, of, 
you know, the British law coming down and putting them in jail or and doing some harm to them. But, you know, our the, the path of the left way emanations, okay, the path of the left is going against the grain. As my friend Thomas likes to say, it's an illustration sort of like this. If you get into a canoe and you go downstream with the current, that is the right-hand path. You're going to go to the ocean, to where everything ends up. Getting in the canoe and going upstream against the grain is the left-hand path towards the source. Um, and I would say that there are many in our, you know, in the West here that try to convolute um, the left-hand path with a middle path, but is necessarily not the same thing. The left-hand path is about sacralizing what we find horrifying within and what we find dangerous to find liberation. And um, in the Western sense, you're doing something similar to what they do in India, which is to the fast way of self-divinity, of burning away that negative karma, that, that constant sense that you have, that you're your own worst enemy, and that you can't stop doing things that fuck your own life up. Um, the left-hand path has the power to overcome that and burn that away. Whether you believe as a, you know, as a Levian Satanist that, you know, there, there are no gods and that you are the only God, or whether you believe, like me, that uh, the fallen are actual real entities that um, left, you know, knowledge behind for humans to use, um, the liberation is found, much like that Agori who pulls that body forward sits on top of it and begins to, you know, recite their mantra to Kali and lights a candle in the mouth. And, and in that story, what's so cool about that is he's terrified the body's going to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> but I will share one, one thing, um, a story of me. Um, I do remember living alone during those years and Lilith just kind of speaking to me, you've got to do something, you know, you're getting old and you don't want to, you know, there came a time in my life, you know, I don't have a big, big record, but I didn't want to be arrested anymore. And I didn't want to be in trouble anymore. And I, 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 I experienced so much drama and violence and craziness in my life that I kind of just kind of liberated myself from that. But I've Lilith was like, I want you to go out to the woods and get naked and do a ritual, you know? And so I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do it. You know? I, don't, I don't want to do this. You know, this is stupid. So I'm out in the woods, you know, and I've got my, my altar going on a tree stump in the woods and and it's dark and I'm butt naked, you know, and I'm <laughs> saying my invocations, you know, and doing, you know, so after a while you, you do your workings with the orders and you follow your grade book and you follow all the books. But sometimes it's super cool to begin to develop that natural mantra, that natural ritual that's coming out of your mouth. And I found reading the tantrics that it happens to them, too. Yeah. That they began to do these, you know, these sort of uh, montages. So I'm I'm doing the quarters, witter shins, and I'm working around. I turn around, and there's two college kids standing right there. And one of them says, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm praying. Let me put my pants on, you know. <laughs> but uh, these sorts of things, you know, the willingness to step out and do something that we find absolutely, you know, someone might be afraid of dancing. Someone might be afraid of speaking. Speaking. Someone might even be afraid, you know, when you're sitting at the table around the holidays with that family member that won't stop preaching at you to say, hey, man, that's enough. I don't want to hear it. You know, I'm just not like that. That's enough. And just stand up for yourself a little bit. Those things are what the left hand path is really about. 
you know, it's not self-destruction. It's more like when they speak of the poison of Samael, like a chemotherapy. There is some poison involved and there's danger involved, but it can be healing. Right. Well, it's like the uh, uh, concept of the poison of Samael um, in what, like um, in, in one of my workings at, the, at a certain point, I was work, doing um, working with Samael and, and Lilith and, and uh, I had this vision of um, like, you know, I was in like a deep trance, like, um, you know, connecting with these forces, like kind of like an astral, astral level. And in that I was given this chalice of poison, literally, that I had to drink that would cleanse the self from all of this. Um, it's like des destroying all of the chains that have been placed upon us in the uh, um, subconsciously deep within of the uh, kind of Christian morality system that's even ingrained in people who weren't raised that Christian, you know, all of us are raised, have these types of Christian morality things, you know, enforced upon us, right? And now the all of this stuff, like, it's just like, you have to cleanse all of this stuff, like, you take this poison and it kills all of this, uh, the connection with the angels, connection with all these types of forces that are kind of the false light, kind of, you know, in the sense of trying to imprison us. And, uh, it's, it's a painful it's, process. It's rebellion but, against the Demarouche. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a, it's one of those things that um, you have to go through, and it it start initiates that process of uh, the negretto of de destroying yourself to be reborn. You know, it's um, alchemical process. You know, so. Well, yes, and I I think that there it's really difficult to get across to folks the idea of experiencing moments of non dual consciousness. And what I mean by that is there are moments where we can experience the dark and the dark and the death side of reality, wherein light and dark are not fighting against one another, where there is no good, where there is no evil. And we know all of it as the same thing. And we see here in the law of polarity, wherein, if, for example, our earth is one earth. There's always light on side, one side, and it's always dark on side, one side, but it's always the same earth. Yeah. And yeah. so it's it's the understanding that, um, and for me, it became literally the understanding that the driving force of this universe and the driving force of the Shakti within me, you know, of the feminine goddess within me is that void of grinding death darkness. Yeah. Um, and, and also there, there is a great light um, that you find in liberation where you're just not afraid of much. You're not afraid of dying. You're not afraid of being disliked. You're not afraid of being disagreed with. Uh, you can live freely in that sense. Yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it is you you kind of recreate yourself to this this, uh, this other type of type of state of existence or state of being you know and um yeah i think that when you reach that kind of non-dual state of mind um it's very powerful and and a lot of times when you 
also connect with these kind of imaginal levels of of reality of this kind of astral level like have these types of experiences a lot of times they uh you know they they are, are real occurring on some level and they also kind of take you into that kind of non-dual state of mind where you're not really not really thinking about good and evil and all those kinds of stuff you're thinking about the pure moment of of existence you know well, I, I think the major brainwashing of Western consciousness is that all spirituality should bring us to a point of what's called indemnity, of restoring an individual to a natural state. Um, but when, in, in factuality, what Satan and the fallen angels brought to us is the ideal that an individual can bypass that, break the rules, and become something far more yeah. than just yeah. a slogging human that obeys. You know, we see these days people, you know, just go driving themselves crazy to identify and have an identity and obey some sort of thing that'll make them accepted. Um, but we find within the left-hand path, freedom from that. Yeah. In that, you know, uh, through unnatural means, through forbidden means, I can bypass that which, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm a god in the sense that I'm not flesh and blood. I am flesh and blood. We're all flesh and we're going to be flesh and blood until the day we die. But it's the idea through unnatural means, um, as you know, we see in one of my favorite European grimoires, Le Dragon Rouge to Red Dragon, the ideal of taking command and being like the fallen angels in the sense of using the magic that was left here behind for us. Right. I, yeah. One thing that, that, um, a lot of myself and, and other people I, that I've known over years have always come to is this point that you realize that you're not, you're not, uh, um, worshiping Satan and these and Lilith to abase yourself to them. It's, you have to, it's to become, like them you're taking their powers into yourself so you can become like them you know like uh when you know and and to walk on earth as a satan you know and it's like this idea of um 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 when you're invoking them and uh, bringing them into yourself you're transforming yourself as well you're you're say if you're working with leviathan for example something that i was doing um last year like very extensively uh it's you're invoking this force and bringing and it's he's operating within you as well as being an external force and it's transforming you to integrate with this force right so if you look at yes. with everything you're integrating these forces to become as one of them and you you greet them and you work with them as brothers as sister as a teacher you know as um as a you know they are maybe you know we're they're they're still higher than us we're not quite equal but it's like the idea of like when i did aikido like your sensei you know mm -hmm. and you're not abasing yourself to them like you're seeing them as uh absolutely not i mean i would say there's some genuflection i wouldn't call it worship in the sense as like the christians call it i would say there are probably some rituals that are similar to that for a certain point but left-hand path is not of the path of blind faith um, in the sense of losing all um, rationality 
um, to the point where you don't think for yourself, but it's experienced through knowledge, through the knowledge of the tree of knowledge. And that's where the idea of gnosis or gnosis comes from. Um, I may not believe it without seeing it, but I know I've experienced it because I have the knowledge of experiencing it. And so knowing within your being is far different from having blind faith. And I would agree with you that the forces we're working with, whether it be the dark one like Ariman or the dragon, uh, Lucifer, or, um, you know, Lilith, uh, these intelligences are non-human. We like to project our humanness onto them in, in, in many, many ways. Uh, but their intelligence is, is far beyond you know, what a human uh, can do and think. But also we can take a, that sip and ride that current and ride that tiger and be transformed slowly through it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. The, um, you, the, they, like you said, they, you bring that in yourself and you transforms you and you, you do have to realize like, um, like I've got, I've experienced a state of Negretto where all symbolic form stripped away, and I experienced reality pure as pure reality, and um, and it actually took it was like as which is I think something you have to go through, and it's a very um, horrifying experience in some way that you have to integrate with yourself, like and um it's all it's a state beyond words like it's this wordless state you know what i mean where where you're like just like don't even um you experience the forces directly apprehending everything directly and um and actually it takes a while to then return from that state and reintegrate with reality and uh and find word find like the meaning and words and symbols and things again you know what i mean like after experiencing something like this um and um but you have, but these words and symbols that we use aren't necessary because they, the human brain, the flesh consciousness, that's how it operates. It uses these symbols and words. But once you've experienced pure um, existence as it is, uh, you know what I mean, without words, without anything like between you and it, um, you also realize that okay, these four, these things are existing in this state beyond words, beyond our human apprehension right and you do learn to realize that what we're describing them um, we're using a word like Lilith or satan or samael or you know um this is just a way for the human consciousness to take the and understand and put it out because you kind of have to you have to be able to take this force put it through your human brain kind of take it out of your mouth and bring these into symbolic forms you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh is important we have to do that for the psychology of the human and integrating with these forces you know i would say every culture has that aspect almost every culture has that aspect where humans wanted to stop proselytizing themselves and that was you know and stop um supplicating to gods um, there is that Promethean strain. Um, and that's what really drew me first to the Order of Phosphorus was the ideal that you can find this at the Babylonian myths and the Persian myths. 
Um, you could find this um, in almost every myth. But what has been called satanic, or what has been called evil, is often ancient spiritualities that became forbidden. Case in point, you know, the uh, lifelong myth that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil, when in fact, he most likely, I was reading and seen some documentaries recently, that he had a hoodoo friend who taught him how to play the blues in the graveyard. And that's where that tradition speaks to their ancestors and gods from beyond this world is in the graveyard. You know, um, the idea of speaking to spirits not in this plane is an anathema to the Western consciousness in the last 2000 years. The ideal of the human leaving the body through astral travel this is what was accused of the Gregorian fallen in um, in the Book of Enoch, that they taught people to leave the body, that they could leave the body after death. Um, the ideal that an individual can speak a spell as a semi-divine being and change the matrix of the universe to um, create and, and see their will done here uh, on this plane. All of these things um, we all forget have been strictly forbidden of humans for a long, long time. Have I always had my will done through magic? Yes, sometimes. No, sometimes. Sometimes things are fucked up because it's your own damn fault and magic's not going to fix it. You know, and often I mean, that's something that you learn in this path, that if you want your magic, you know, to work, number one, you need to know what you really want, which means you need to know the will of your daemon, of your spiritual God. You need to know what the subconscious, the true part of your real self really wants. Yeah. And if you're lying to the spirits of the dead, of the Sitra Ahra, about who you really are and what you want, it's going to be a shit show until you get that fixed. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And then second of all, you know, is what are you seeking? Is that a reasonable thing? You know, are you an individual that's never been to college before and you want to have be able to be a surgeon, you know? It's um, creating things out of your will that kind of fit within the matrix of what you can do. Or maybe an individual needs to, you know, they, they desire to go, I don't know, be a boat captain in Alaska or something, you know. So you got to go get yourself a license and get educated to do that. Um, but I've achieved a lot of things through magic and liberated a lot of, you know, really, really um, – oppressive things in my life and it's an issue of how bad do you want it do you really want to achieve it you know and sometimes we want things that really just don't fit us you know but um that is what the uh, i would say that is what the refinement of initiation through going through the shells and and going through these practices helps you to find yeah uh, because you know all of us you know we all like to get home do what we like to do to have fun and we we like to sit in the, in the life that we created for ourselves and find someone to blame for it but for the witch for the magician um there's no excuse yeah there's no one to blame but yourself you know like in mm -hmm. generally that uh, the um what you're making the point you're making is very very important which is and that's something that that i also learned was that uh through through um hard knocks you know what i mean where you think that i want this right and then you do magic to try to bring it and then it just like doesn't happen because it's not really aligning for true will or you um 
maybe you do bring it and you figure out through that experience that, Oh, this isn't what I want. You know what I mean? Like, and, and either way you've learned a lesson, I think. And I think that's the big important part is just learning through these experiences, taking them learning. Okay. And putting that into motion, you know, putting every, and a lot of times the dark forces also particularly, uh, this particularly happens to people when they first on the path teach through, um, sometimes, you know, things going wrong, you know, the kind of mm-hmm. like, it's hard. It's, it's hard. You know, they don't, they're hard teachers. They're not teachers that te- that hold your hand. You know what I mean? And a lot of times you have to be um, able to learn what's the lesson of the situation. Like why did this happen when, and apprehend and look deeper into the machinations of weird that set that into motion and see why something if something bad happens why did that happen like what were the things that i did not do or did do that created that or why would the dark for why would you know whatever a demon or entity you're working with like that your te- that's you're working with as a teacher try to teach you that you know what i mean like these are all things you have to so you have to have like the ability to be harsh on yourself and you know be self-aware as an individual to get anything out of the path first of all and then it's like a lot of times you know um you have to know you have to learn what your true true will is and you have to um like uh there's another thing i was going to say the um and then i lost it i don't know but yeah i mean you have to take these lessons and apply them you know what I mean? And, and learn. And then you also have to, one thing that I, I wasn't say was that I found is that a lot of times the best possible thing to do is to go within and open the eye of the dragon and, and really like look at your life harsh and look at how everything happened. And then you can kind of say, okay, this is the goal that I want and try to identify the steps that you need to get to that point and then put Absolutely. that in motion. And then, and then you can do magic to achieve each step as you go and you know what i mean and you're not just being like oh i want uh, i don't know like um like you said i want to be a doctor but you never gone to college well then you have to look at yourself and go okay what do i need to do to become this that i want to be and you look at the first step what's the first step first step is i need to like you know start applying to colleges do things you know you have to like and then you have to follow through and you can do magic to help you achieve each one of these goals and when you're doing that, you're more likely to succeed because you're actually, even if you're, say, trying to do something that's like completely cutting across like everything, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're more likely to succeed because you're working step by step as opposed to just like putting out absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Stuff. Well, and there's also the understanding of how to invoke, which is an invocation ritual is to call forth those forces from within yourself. Or to evoke, which is to call those forces into this material plane to reveal secrets to you and to open doors for you, right? But there's also fine-tuning that communication with the daemon, your personal dark diamonian, your spirit guide, uh, which which presents itself, um, which heavily connected with your shadow. And, um, you know, I always have avoided in the left-hand path those who try to use uh, Carl Jung to say that our shadow 
is a negative thing when in fact with the left-hand path the shadow is something that we begin to have a symbiotic relationship i learned this quite a bit through studying um many you know hoodoo traditions um, not that i'm a, a hoodoo practitioner but how they learn with you know they don't only speak to dead humans they speak to what irks um talked about as individuals that have become immortal through the practice of magic and yeah. that are passed beyond in the sitra akra but it's this it, it's the idea that you know just say like you and i if we want to be friends we meet and we begin to spend some time with another and there's some give and take they there's things they want from you that they don't have there's things you want from them that you don't have and so it's having that patience to begin to metaphysically be able to listen to the daemon because the daemon will reveal those things to about ourselves that we don't truly want to admit sometimes we have desires we don't want to tell anybody yeah. about but also the communication and the relationship with your daemon has a lot to do with um sacralizing desire desire and, and you know as a, a um as a holy religious thing as far as as opposed to something that needs to be ashamed of and and with that being said i would encourage anybody to study austin spare's Alpha, alphabet of desire and i want to get into a lot of explaining and a lot of um you know specific you know teachings or anything like that about the uh death posture but it's the ideal of the opposing forces within us like the kundalini um you know, um, Ida and Pengala that are exact opposite and invoking both to find the true will of the daemon somewhere in between. It's almost like your your metaphysical dark GPS, uh, you know, for finding the will of the daemon. Right. Well, one thing that I, um, I haven't done this meditation in a little while, in a while, but it was very, very important for me with con doing that kind of connection with the daemon was, um, and uh, I think it's, in Michael Ford's book, uh, Akaru, he has this thing where you have the rising of the two serpents, the red serpent and the, the black serpent. And you see them kind of entwining and then rising out of one side to the other. So you become like uh, uh, Azadahaka, you know, like this kind of ah, three. Yes. Yeah, that kind the of son of Ariman. Yeah. So it's like that meditation where you're rising the black, the black and um, the two serpents, you know, the black and the red, which is. Uh, Lilith and Samael, and they're kind of rising up, or Oz and Araman, you know, and you see them rising up. And when in that kind of state of mind where you kind of raise this this kind of serpent, these two serpents um, forward and up and out, and you're kind of like connecting with that, it helps you connect to that higher demonic Absolutely. energy, you know. And it was it was those practices and that Arimanic yoga that once I started also practicing Kundalini and studying it from that perspective that just really set me on fire for it. Um, because it's a continual act of possession in the left-hand path. You are inviting Kali or the, the fire of the, you know, of the psychosexual nature of the goddess energy within you to possess you. And then after a while, I will say that, you know, um, left-hand path witchcraft and dark esotericism, uh, spirituality becomes 
small moments of um, interaction and possession like experiences. Um, I would, you know, and I would, anybody practicing this, you know, I would also recommend them, you know, using a journal and understanding that, you know, um, if you decide to do something self-destructive or destructive to another person because of this, you have no one to blame but yourself. Right. Because the point of the, you, you can't empower yourself, um, you know, if you're having to stand in front of a judge. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's why I've always agreed with people with like Michael Ford, where he's talking about like, to be on this path, uh, is, it's a spiritual antinomianism. It's a spiritual, you're being a spiritual outlaw, but you don't, that doesn't mean you need to be like literally breaking the law. You know what I mean? Or, no, think, like, I mean, there's, there's times, stuff. yeah, <laughs> there's times I've, it's been necessary in my life to rebel against things, you know, but you find that that does, when, once you deal with the things that are really pulling you down in your life yourself, there's not really any reason, you know, to be at odds with strangers you don't know or have problems, man, you're, you're living the life, you know, I mean, uh, you and I get together, we have a great time. Uh, I really love that Merciful Fate show this year. Yeah, that was I great. wish he'd come again. Yeah, that was awesome to see King Diamond and Merciful Fate like a sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's too bad you didn't get to come to uh, Denver Metal and Beer Fest because Dark Funeral was pretty good. And I really enjoyed um, Cannibal Corpse. That was probably the best metal show I've seen all year was that one, aside of Merciful Fate. Right. Yeah, the Cannibal Corpse, uh, I've seen them a couple times. So the, um, but there's some shows coming up like... Uh, this year, I'm sure we'll we'll have to we we'll have to go hit. You know what I mean? Like we'll get tickets early. Yeah, definitely. The um, but yeah, I think all this is important important stuff. It's been it's great talking like about oh yeah man everything yeah the um I do want to say that next um, you know Thomas is going to come talk with you, so we'll we'll get you hooked up with him and get you scheduled there. Cool. Um, because he wants to help promote the event, but I just also want folks to know where to get tickets okay yeah um you can buy a one-day ticket you can buy a three-day ticket or you can get an online ticket um we're going to be streaming it um we've already checked out the you know the signal down there in that basement auditorium uh, but i would recommend anybody to come um there will be you know excellent talks there'll be excellent rituals um I'm not sure of the exact schedule, but it'll be a lot like, you know, when you go to Magic Week in Stockholm, everybody shows up about mid-morning. Um, you will we'll begin with some meditation and then usually some sort of ritual. Um, and these specifics haven't been worked out yet. Um, and then, um, you know, usually Thomas will give a talk or somebody else will give a talk. Um, often there's question and answer time. But also there's that time of hanging out. I'm hoping that we can try to uh, get up to Cheeseman Park and maybe do some necromancy there. I'm hoping Thomas talks about his new book, um, Black Mass. Yeah, Black Mass. A bit. Did you ever get to copy? Get a copy of that yet? Yeah, I did get a copy of that. Like, oh, uh, right yeah, cool. I, the um, it took. Yeah, I think. Um, I think yeah when we first we met up last year i hadn't gotten it but it, but i was waiting for it like i'd ordered it but yeah i got that so uh which i think they, i'm going to suggest maybe we're, we work with the three triads of darkness that are in that book I, I use those rituals often for myself um but you'll find also 
you know, people that I met years and years ago at the opening of the Greater Church of Lucifer, I'm still friends with them today. You know, right. um, you'll find that uh, those who are, you know, the true followers of the left hand path are also the coolest people, most generous, <clears throat> easiest to get along with usually. And uh, they'll make impressions in your life um, that affect you forever. Yeah, definitely. The, oh, anyways, um, let me finish real quick. Um, yeah. Dark Crucible, Denver left-hand path. There's a GoFundMe link on there. There's instructions for how to get tickets. Um, if anybody that's listening to this wants to be able to find that, if you, um, just hook up with Carl, who can put you in, in touch with me, and uh, and we'll, we'll help you uh, get your tickets. Come on to the Althea Center this Sahween 2023, and we will celebrate the Witches Sabbat. Yep. And I'll uh, I'll link the um, Facebook page in the post when I when you know what I mean oh, like when you I you know what I'll share that link with you because yeah yes yeah, link that Facebook page if you want me to share the event with you that's fine but you can link the page I eventually kind of mean to make that once we you know eventually if I get out of my work shell and start playing my guitars and and meeting more people I'd like to develop that. That's actually, there's another really cool guy connected to the Order of Phosphorus that's really interested in Dragon Rouge that lives in the town here. Um, then I'm going to try to get him to come. But eventually, I like to develop that page into a place where, you know, people in Denver interested in this path can kind of inter interact. And that can be kind of a place to, you know, um, you know, share share what you have planned. So, right. Cool. Yeah, we can. I can always put links to both, like to the, the sure, event cool. itself. Yeah, we'll work it as out. Well, so people can can go on there and, and check it out. And, um, and, uh, yeah, well, like you said, hopefully we can get Thomas on as well to talk about, talk about everything. And then, then I want to get you on again more in the future as well. So, you know, I, I really, that's kind yeah, of some excellent. of the types of conversations. I, when I started the podcast, it was one of the, you know, obviously I wanted to talk about, you know, all my interests, like be it horror, horror movies, um, you know, horror fiction, dark, you know, weird fiction or, black metal or whatever, but a big part of why I started this was to talk about these types of topics with people, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, really, really start just starting to get, get that going now, like yeah. recently. And I'm, I'm glad to have, have, uh, have you on and talk about this stuff. So, well, they're all fascinating, cool subjects, whether it be dark music or art and film and writing and books and all that is something I'm all about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd love to talk with you anytime. And, uh, you know, I hope to see you again, I just keep in contact with me and we'll, we'll get Thomas on here soon. Cool. Yeah. We'll figure it out and uh, I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Eric. Hold on Omegas. Hold on Omegas. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. It's good Thank to see you. you. Well, I'll see you soon and I'll let you know when some of these next concerts are coming and we'll go. Yep. Cool. All, All right. right. We'll get in touch. All right. You, Have Eric. a good night. You too. See you soon. Bye. Bye.